question. It's not what you think. We're going to finish up our series today. Uh, today's topic is working it out. We're kind of going to give you kind of a summary of what we've been talking about and kind of wrap it up for you and give you some handles or some ways to, to live this out, what we've been talking about. <clears throat> uh, we're trying to give you a new concept or a new view of what Christian is. And as we've been talking about, there's all kinds of ideas about that, and that's part of the problem. <clears throat> Whoa. <laughs> Back up, please. <laughs> all right. Uh, if you're not a Jesus follower, you want to call yourself a Christian or a believer, we're glad that you're here because we're going to share with you some, some stuff about what, what we should be like <laughs> as the church. God intended us for to be like what Jesus instructed us to be like, and maybe the reason you're not part of us is because of somebody that was called a Christian that didn't act uh, like that. In fact, we said we, as a church or the Christianity, have a branding problem. And, you know, if a company has a branding problem, they rebrand. They, they come up with a new slogan, a new logo, whatever. Uh, and maybe that's kind of what we're suggesting, <laughs> that the church needs a, a, a new brand or logo. Because many people out, outside of here, and maybe you, in your, your experience, think of the word Christian. You think of this, this uh, description here. A Christian is someone who is judgmental, homophobic, a moralist, who think they're the only ones going to heaven and secretly relish the fact that everybody else is going to hell. And um, hopefully you're not one of those people, but you've probably met some people like that. And that is not what Jesus intended when he instructed us to be his followers or to be Christians. And then uh, one week we talked about uh, insiders and outsiders and the outsiders judge us that way, but they judge us that way because they see us judging them that way. And we said, Jesus said, oh, oh, it's none of our job to judge them out there. In fact, he, they, the Bible says it's God's job to judge them. So we have no authority to judge them at all because they don't claim to live by our guidelines. But we are to judge those inside. And we'll talk about that a little bit later this morning because I know I got some pushback on that when we talked about that. And one Sunday, Justin talked about salt and light. Salt affects the food. The food doesn't affect the salt. Light affects the environment. The environment doesn't affect the light. And so as we're going to say, Jesus followers, we are supposed to impact our culture. Our culture is not supposed to impact us. Then one of my favorites was the Gracie Truthy uh, uh, teaching we had one Sunday, where Jesus is described as being completely 100% grace and completely 100% truth. Now, we can't kind of comprehend that because we can't be all two things, but he was. And so we have that tension to try and figure out how we can be all grace and all truth in our interactions with other people. And then we talked about angry birds. Uh, there are some people that... They claim to be Christians, and I'm not going to judge them on that fact, but uh, they're just angry. They're not very happy. They yell a lot, and, and uh, they kind of fit into this description up, up here. And again, that's not what Jesus intended uh, for his followers. Then I had fun last week with the term loophole. We uh, all love loopholes. You know, I, I, I appreciate the tax loophole that I have, etc. But when we use it to get around doing what God wants us to do, obviously it's wrong. And we said, 
Christians love loopholes, but uh, we're going to use a different term for the Jesus followers. And uh, what's the term that Jesus called his followers? You did it too soon again. I was going <laughs> to... Disciple. Right. <clears throat> All right, so he used this term. The term Christian only is three times in the Bible. It wasn't used by quote-unquote Christians describe themselves, it was used by other people, describe, the outsiders describe the Christians. It's actually a derogatory term. <clears throat> Jesus used this term. Now, you can call yourself a Christian and do almost anything, believe almost anything. We all know people that consider themselves Christian, and we just shake our head, don't we? Because their definition of Christian is completely different than our definition of Christian. There's Christians on both sides, quote-unquote, on both sides of every issue, political issue, economic issue, moralistic issue. How can that be? Well, it's because Christian is not defined. God doesn't define it. It's not defined in the Bible. So consequently, we can let it mean anything we want it to mean. And that's where our branding problem comes in. So Jesus said, no, you're my disciple. Now, disciple, we know what that is. That's somebody that's following Jesus, that's acting like Jesus, is treating people like Jesus, is thinking like Jesus, and that's a lot more narrow, isn't it? That's a more defined, that's a little more uncomfortable, isn't it? And lots of people that call themselves Christians wouldn't feel comfortable or wouldn't be comfortable calling themselves a disciple. Anyway, Jesus, on the last night, he was with his, his 12 guys. Actually, one of them left. Judas left. He was with 11. He said, okay, I've been teaching you for, for over three years. Lots of this stuff you're not getting anyway. So let me just boil it down to the most simple thing and make sure you get this if you don't get anything else. Because <clears throat> I'm leaving and, and you're my representatives. You're all I have left. And so we looked at this verse in John chapter 13. He said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my, not Christians, but my disciples, my followers, that you're truly acting like me. Now, he could have said anything in there, right? Now, all of us got up on Sunday morning, put on our, no, we don't put on nice clothes, but anyway, we didn't dress up, but we got in our cars and drove to a building with a steeple on it, all right? And so your neighbors would say, ah, they're a Christian, because they did that. No, no, he didn't say that. Uh, maybe you carry a Bible around. Most of us don't. I just carry my phone around. I got the whole Bible in there. But uh, maybe you carry a Bible around. Ah, that's a Christian carrying a Bible. Maybe you have a cross around your neck. <clears throat> ah, they're a Christian. Then you have a cross around. He could have said anything, right? Here's what he said. Your love for one another will prove that you are my disciples. That's it. That's the proof. That's how you'll know. That's how they'll know. That's how everybody knows. <laughs> For your love, how you treat one another. And specifically, how the disciples would treat each other. The insiders would treat each other. <clears throat> now, this is what you and I must do if we're going to be a disciple. So another time we, we, we find in, in one of the Gospels, uh, actually in Matthew, he, he records this for us. This smart guy comes to Jesus and asks him a question. And he asks him a question to try and trick him, to get him to say something to get himself in trouble. Now, we've, we've learned in this series that it's kind of dumb to try and trick Jesus, right? He's smarter than all of us put together. Uh, but people kept trying to do it, and often he wouldn't even answer the questions. He would ask them a, a more difficult question, and they would get confused, and, and the issue would be over. But this time, Jesus actually answers the question. 
<clears throat> and the question was, we've got all these rules, we've got all these laws, we've got the Ten Commandments, which one's most important? And this guy had his built-in answer. And we're going to read Jesus' answer. <clears throat> he said, I replied, you're, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Now this wasn't new. This was in the Old Testament, which would have been their Bible in, in Jesus' day. This wasn't new. He said, okay, this is what's important. But even before they could take a breath or raise their hand and ask a question, he said, well, that's not, that's not enough. <clears throat> There's a second one. A second one equally important, or two parts of one, or whatever you want to call it. You just can't boil it down to one. You've got to have two. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And what I think he's saying here is, the proof that you're doing the first one is if you do the second one. Because <clears throat> it's easy for me to say, oh, I love God. I love him with all my heart. Can you question that? Can you see my heart? You can say that to me. I, okay, I hope you do. I'm glad you do. Whatever. There's, I have no way to judge that. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> but I can judge this. Right? How you treat people. How I treat people. And then we looked at how 20, 25 years later, Paul wrote the same thing. The message hadn't changed. He said, you have no debts. Don't owe anybody anything except what? <clears throat> To love one another. And then one Sunday we looked at what <clears throat> John, one of the original 12 disciples wrote. This is like 40 years after Jesus. He's the last disciple left, original disciple. And he writes this letter and he says, this is what's really important. <laughs> that you love one another. And then Jesus goes on and says this. <clears throat> What we got next? Uh, the entire law, your 600 and some rules, the Ten Commandments, the entire law, and all the demands of the prophets, all that stuff written in the Old Testament, all of that is based on these two commandments. You can boil it all down to this, or you can kind of put this as a header over all of that. All of it fits under this. So the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother, does it fit under those two things? Yeah, I think it fits under those two things. Uh, don't commit adultery, does it fit under those two things? Yeah, it fits under those things. How about uh, not killing anybody? Yeah, that fits under there. Not lying, yeah, that fits under there. Anything you can think of, any instructions that God gives us for our good and for the benefit of others, not to hurt others, it fits under love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. So what does that mean? That means anytime you and I are interacting with another person, any, t- any situation you and I may be in as a parent, as a spouse, as just a person with somebody I know, I met some new people yesterday with strangers, in any situation you and I might be in, this is the filter <laughs> we need to, to use. Am I loving God? Am I loving my neighbor? Am I loving these other people? <clears throat> and Jesus would say, don't you ever dare use my words to hurt another person, to not love another person as an an excuse or a reason not to love. Because this is the essence of what it means to be me and for you to be one of my followers. So we gave you a, a, a question to ask yourself last week. Put that back up. 
What does love require of me? In a situation, what's the loving thing to do? <clears throat> now, it's not always that easy. I like the golden rule because it says, do unto others as I would like them to do to me. That, that, that helps me define it, but you can use whatever uh, help you need. Uh, what does love require of me? That's my only debt, my only obligation is to love. The problem is my inclination and most of our inclinations is to use God's word as, as I said last week, <clears throat> a week, <clears throat> mace to, to hurt somebody else. And we don't call it hurting somebody, but it's just kind of correcting them. Hey, you shouldn't be doing that, or you should be doing this, you shouldn't be doing that, God wouldn't like that, etc., yeah, etc. Et Jesus said, no, 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 no. You, 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 you don't do that. You don't worry about that. You make sure that you are doing what love requires of you. <clears throat> so again, in my parenting situations, in my, as a spouse, as a pastor, as a person with strangers, what does love require me? Now, as we look at this and try and understand it, we can see how brilliant Jesus is. His little band of guys had no power, authority, political power, had no money, they were this little group of people in the backside of the Roman Empire, a country that was occupied by, by the Romans. How could Jesus get this group <laughs> to impact the world? What would it, could he instruct them to do? And if I'm just thinking objectively, I can't think of anything. What could this little group of people do to impact the world? But again... We see the brilliance of Jesus. We can see it in our personal experiences, our personal histories, our personal stories. Uh, there's two categories of people that have made you the person you are. Made you the husband you are, the spouse you are, the parent you are, the child you are, the teenager you are. Two groups of people. And it had nothing to do with their beliefs. It had nothing to do with they were Jesus followers or not. It has nothing to do with uh, what they feel or believe about anything. The two groups of people that have made you the person you are are these two groups of people right here. Those who have hurt you and those who have loved you. All our stories are the same. And what's so confusing about this We've all had people that hurt us that had really great theology. Maybe, maybe better than mine, better, better than yours. Yet, they may have hurt you and hurt me uh, maybe very deeply. In fact, we've got people in prison with titles like mine, pastors, priests, or whatever, who have hurt children with maybe great theology. And this is what makes it so confusing. The flip side of that is we've all had people that have loved on us, loved us unconditionally, poured their lives out, or poured their lives into us, and they may have had terrible theology. We may not even know their theology, and they may not have been Jesus followers at all. I have experience with them in uh, fifth and sixth grade. I was uh, the same teacher, Mrs. Myers. And back in the old days when I went to school, elementary school went through sixth grade. So these are my last two years before I went on to junior high, it was called. Into the, in the sixth grade, this Mrs. Myers said, 
picked out one male student and one female student that she said were the most improved. And she chose me. She chose me. And I don't remember what kind of student I was in fifth and sixth grade, but I knew that I became a good student after that. I was the first person in my family to finish high school. First person in my family to go on to college. First person in my family to get a, a higher degree. I can't tell you specifically what that lady did to me, but I can tell you that she impacted my life. I know anything about her theology? No. I don't even know if she was a Jesus follower or not. But she loved on, as some of you teachers do, you love on your students. And you have no idea what impact that may have. Not about theology. It's about how we treat people. So your story is a product of the people who have loved on you, and the people that have hurt you, independent of what they believe about God, good or bad. <clears throat> so we're going to summarize it this way this morning. The way you've been treated has more to do with who you are than what you believe. And this was the brilliance of Jesus. He said, this is our best play. This is our only play. This is the only way we are going to impact the world, this little group of nobodies with no resources, is to love people, <laughs> to love them unconditionally, to love them beyond belief. But something happened in the course of history, and the church started out really well, but somewhere along the line, probably about 300 years later, this sh- shift happened, and the emphasis of the church went from behaving, from loving, to believing. It's all about what you believe. Doesn't matter how you treat people, no matter how you act. Make sure you got your theology right. Believing's easy. Doesn't require anything of me, right? I can sit up here and I believe this, I believe this, I believe this. Doing's a lot different, isn't it? It's a lot harder. Jesus didn't say, A new commandment I give to you, believe correctly. That'll change the world, right? Make sure you get your theology right. He didn't say, this I meant all men will know that you're my disciples if you believe correctly. And all kinds of time, energy, and money is spent on writing books and conferences where people get together and argue about this and that. And Jesus says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Theology's good. Uh, we talk about that sometimes. But what's really important, folks, the way we can impact culture and society is the way we treat one another, especially how we treat each other in here. When do most people out there think about the way we treat each other in here? We got arguments going on, churches split. They don't even like each other, much less like us out there. So we have a branding problem. So let's get back to our question then. What? Does love require of me? And we walk, look at G, the in, in, interaction Jesus had with people. <clears throat> and we see this because he knew their hearts. He knew their stories. You and I interact with somebody, we don't know their story. And we've all done this. You met somebody and you think, eh, I don't really care for that person too much. Eh, they got kind of a rough edge to them. Uh, you, know, you know, we've all met people like that, right? And then you hear the story. Then you hear about maybe uh, 
how they were abused as a child or, you know, raised up, raised in foster families or I mean, tons of things. Had abusive spouse or alcoholic parents. The list is endless of possibilities. And once you hear your story, their story, your whole attitude changes, doesn't it? Wow, man, I would be rougher than that if I had that background. And that's why Jesus seems to be so inconsistent. He'll talk to one rich guy. The guy comes to Jesus and says, hey, how do I get eternal life? I've kept all the, all the rules, all the laws. Now, of course he hadn't, but Jesus didn't question him. He said, okay, I'm not going to argue with you. Just sell everything you have, give it away to the poor, and, and you're going to have eternal life. The story says the guy goes away sorrowful because he couldn't do it. So he didn't really love God with all his heart, soul, and mind, right? Loved his money more. Another rich guy comes to Jesus and says, how do I have eternal life? He says, you're this close. You just have to be born again. He didn't tell him he had to sell everything, but he knew the guy's heart. So we as Jesus followers, disciples, need to just put down our weapons, all right? Yeah, theology has its place, but that's not what's most important. If we're going to influence the world, and that's why Jesus established the church, he says, you're my hands and feet here on earth, you're my representatives, go and impact the world, be salt and light. So we have two options if we're going to impact the world. We can either hurt people or we can love people. That's how you've been impacted, and that's how I've been impacted. So I'm going to give you three handles as we finish up this morning and finish up this series on how you can kind of figure out what love requires of you or of me in any situation. First, don't do anything that will hurt you. Why? Parents, you'll understand this best of all. <clears throat> can your child do anything to hurt themselves that doesn't hurt you? They can't do it, can they? Anytime your child hurts themselves, it hurts you. Physically, mentally, financially, it doesn't matter. Why? Because you love them. And God loves you, and you can't do anything to hurt you that doesn't hurt him. So every decision, every situation you or I are in, we can't hurt ourselves. And people say, oh, I'm not hurting anybody else. Now, the only way that is possible is there's not one single person in the world that cares about you. And even then, still God does. And if you do this, you're going to break the second handle on what does love require me. Don't do anything that will hurt somebody else. Why? Because anybody else that you and I come in contact with is somebody God loves and Jesus died for, right? There isn't anybody out there that God doesn't love and Jesus didn't die for. Now, this gets a little tricky, and this goes back to the judging the insiders things. And again, your parents will understand this. When your child is doing something to hurt them or somebody else, you confront them. None of us like confrontation, but you confront them. You discipline them. You say, this is not good for you or other people. You need to change this behavior. And so if we're going to love each other, we sometimes have to do that. And the other flip side of that is it's really hard too, and it hurts, is to confess. Yeah, yeah, I should have been doing this. This is wrong. 
apologize to people if you've hurt them. I like this illustration. It helps me understand anyway. If you've got a, a, a harmful growth of some kind in your body, you go to a surgeon, they hopefully put you under, <laughs> and cut it out using a scalpel, hopefully very skillfully, and it'll be painful as you heal. But ultimately, it's what's best for you, right? He doesn't use a, a butcher knife, does he? Or you hope he doesn't, right? And that's the same thing with us. It's tricky, it's hard, it hurts, but sometimes there needs to be confrontation and confession. And lastly, love requires me, don't be mastered by anything. Don't let anything control you. Because anytime you're controlled by anything, it keeps you from loving someone somehow. Whether it's drugs, alcohol, uh, sexual things like pornography. Uh, The interesting thing as we think about this, usually we think about sexual things. You know what Jesus mentioned first? Money. It says where your treasure is, there your heart be. So that may be the biggest challenge for us is with our our money. If we let anything else master us other than the love of God... He's not, I like the word boss. I mean, who is to be our master? He is to be our master. He's supposed to be our boss. And if I'm controlled by any of these other things, then they are my master or my boss. So as I'm talking about this, if you're like me, I'm thinking, oh, one of my kids needs to hear this. Or one of my grandkids needs to hear this. Or my neighbor needs to hear this. No, 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 no. Jesus said, no, no, don't. I'll take care of them. You just take care of you. What does love require of me? Not my spouse, not my kids, not my parents. What does love require of me? Don't hurt anyone, myself, don't hurt anybody else, and don't be mastered by anything. And if we do that, we can influence the culture, society, for God. Now, the church got this right at the beginning. 2,000 years ago, they got right. Within 300 years, Christianity has spread all over Western Europe. That's mind-boggling. They had no money. They had no influence. They didn't have a Bible. They had the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament. It wasn't written yet. It wasn't uh, put together yet. They might have had little pieces of it. And the Bible describes it. They turned the world upside down. So if we're going to be people like that, we're going to be disciples, Jesus followers, a couple things are going to happen with the people we come in contact with. They're not going to feel coerced. They're going to not feel, well, I'll talk about that in a second, condemned, but they're going to feel drawn. No, 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 I'm not pointing fingers at you. Hey, just come and see. I find, find something that really helps me and really works for me. I think it'll work for you. Come and see. And they're not, they're gonna, they might feel guilty, but not because I'm condemning them, but hey, you know, these people are more generous than I am. I wish I could be generous. You know, they're, they're spou- they, they treat their spouses better than I treat mine. I, you know, I feel a little guilty about that. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're more g- generous. They're better people, kinder people, whatever. Not condemned, but, you know, a little guilty. Again, drawn. Now, let me finish with this. You can't talk people into loving Jesus, uh, loving one another, you can't legislate people into loving Jesus 
and loving one another. So how do we do it? We love in such a way that it is so attractive, it's almost irresistible. That's how the first church did it. And we could state it this way as we finish. If we love one another, it will prove to the world that we are His disciples. Next week, we're going to start a new series. I'm excited about this. It's called, Did God Really Say? There's some things we believe that's in the Bible, and we're going to look at some things that maybe we shouldn't believe. And I think you'll benefit from that, and hopefully you can join us. Let's pray. <clears throat> thank you, God. I thank you that uh, no matter what the word Christian may mean in, in our society, uh, there's something more important. Maybe we can rebrand it with a real Christian <laughs> or some other term. But really it means to be a disciple, a follower. And we thank you, God, that you love us unconditionally, 100%. But you also want what's best for us. You don't want us hurting ourselves. You don't want us hurting others. And you don't want us to be masters. You want to set us free. And that's what you are as our, our master or boss. And God, we want to pray for anyone that hasn't stepped across that line. And maybe still have feelings that we're a judgmental group. Uh, help them see, God, that you're not. <laughs> that you love them, you sent Jesus to die for them, and, and all you require of them is to uh, you know, cross that line, accept that gift, and start following. And everything else, the changes will come. Thank you, God, for your presence here with us this morning. Just uh, uh, change us as you see fit. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.